Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, former co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, currently member of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He's on the Appropriations Committee, the Education Committee, the Labor Committee in the U.S. House, where he represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, P-O-C-A-N, and his uh, website, of course, is pocan.house.gov. Congressman Pocan, welcome back. It's great having you. What's at the top of your list today, and, and how do you think the probabilities of Build Back Better passing before Christmas like um, Chuck Schumer said yesterday, he hopes can happen are going to are going to be. You know that's uh, going to be uh, the big 800 uh, pound gorilla of of what's happening left on the congressional calendar is can they get it done before the end of the year? The only reason that it's significant about now when it gets done is the money, the child tax credit, the child tax cut that is that was done for COVID reasons that's continued under Build Back Better, uh, that, that helps lift 40 to 50% of the children in poverty in this country out of poverty, ends with the check that just went out today. So if we don't have it done by January 15th, um, that check won't happen anymore, and it's had such a positive impact on uh, helping, um, again, lift kids out of poverty and helping you know average families. So that is the only thing that has a real heavy trigger, I think, date-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, you know, the sooner we get it done, the sooner we can talk about it, the sooner the American people can benefit from it. Uh, that's clearly important. So we are watching Build Back Better very, very closely. There were two pieces of legislation in the last two weeks that passed the Senate after they carved out filibuster exceptions in the Senate for those two pieces, for raising the debt ceiling, and I forget what the other one was. And uh, so it's like this has just become a casual thing in the Senate. Why will they not... Uh, set aside the filibuster just, uh, you know, for voting rights. My, my friend Joe Madison, he's going to be on the program today in our second hour. He's in day 38 of his hunger strike for voting rights. Yeah. This is this is crazy. Because it takes the Republicans to say they're going to do this, right, uh, to change the rules. And, um, you know, with Mitch McConnell otherwise has lots of other things he can throw into the tools along the way. And he accepted it for the debt ceiling because he understood that. I don't know if Kevin McCarthy actually understood it because he's still pretty heavily uh, up the, the, the backside of Donald Trump. Um, Mitch McConnell understood that it had to happen. But it just shows that those Senate rules are, I guess, the best way to say it made to be broken, that those rules maybe don't fit the modern time and that all the things we've been saying about filibuster reform or getting rid of it completely are necessary. Um, but, you know, you, you can't just 
do it on anything. You have to kind of have them be willing partners. And um, they've been at least responsible when it came to the full faith and credit of the United States government that we always have been. So I'm, I'm glad that something is normal. But that didn't initiate from uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, I get it. So be, before we pick up our phone calls, anything in particular you wanted to highlight or mention? No, I, I just, I'll, I'll tell you, we're all watching this, uh, these redistricting maps very closely. I know in Wisconsin, our Supreme Court is getting maps today. Um, you know, we have a very heavily gerrymandered state legislature. And uh, unfortunately, the Supreme Court in Wisconsin made a ruling of least change uh, because 10 years ago, there was giant change to gerrymander the districts. Now they want to lock it in place. You know, we're just watching this across the country and trying to learn what's going to happen. In many ways, that's the first election um, that'll happen, especially congressionally, before we actually have the November elections. I think the good news is, despite many articles I've read that have been done rather poorly, I don't think there's a whole lot different um, that's coming out of this than what people really thought originally. So um, that's good. Uh, that still makes it so we'll have competitive elections come November, I believe. But uh, we still have to watch to see how some of these states and rulings will fall. Yeah, it really is remarkable, the, the consequences of gutting the, the, the Voting Rights Act. So let's pick up our phone calls. Uh, Nancy in Woodland, yeah. California, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Calling about this DCE thing that's being used to decimate Medicare. And I'm just wondering, is Congress going to do anything to roll it back, um, you know, to get rid of it, to preserve Medicare? And also, um, if, they, if you can reverse um, what it's done so far, in other words, reinstate people who have been kicked off of Medicare with this. Thank you. Yeah, and I believe, Tom, this is the issue, right, that we talked about last time a little bit. Direct content let tracking me give entities. This, yeah, so let me give this update. I believe the Biden administration canceled two of the three, I don't know if the word experiments is the right way to go, but practices of this, you know, firms that were doing this, but they still have one, and I don't fully understand that. That's why we did a letter, um, and I I'm apologize because I'm at home and I don't have all my normal papers in front of me, Tom. But uh, I know Katie Porter, myself, and two others initiated that months ago um, to Congress to, to, or to, I'm sorry, to the White House to ask why, you know, we were still doing this. Um, but two of the three they did eliminate. But there's still this last one that's out there uh, that is much uh, like the model, I think, that you and I have talked many times about around Medicare Advantage, which by the way, Tom, I don't know if, if uh, this may not be the best place to do it, but Lloyd Doggett from Texas is, is an expert on this. And I talked to him about he would love to come on your show sometime um, huh. and talk about this subject with you. Because cool. I've, I've been reading your book, your most recent book on uh, healthcare, And I mentioned to Lloyd about the chapter on it. We had a nice conversation on the floor of Congress about it. And um, I think he would be a great guest. But uh, all the problems that you have identified in that book and, and on the radio about Medicare Advantage, this is kind of practicing some of those um, models, and that's why we weren't wild about it, because it takes us away from the traditional Medicare option. But there's still right. one remaining, and I can't say why that. We haven't had gotten an answer back on that portion, but two of the three that were out there uh, have been eliminated. I'm still learning about this. I, we had the uh, former president of Physicians for National Health program on the program for a half-hour deep dive into this uh, day before yesterday. And she said that the way this all happened was in the original Obamacare legislation, the Affordable Care Act, there's a little provision that says that Medicare can experiment with new ways to use the free market to lower costs. And this whole direct contracting uh, entity thing where your doctor or your hospital 
can be paid directly by Medicare and create their own little network and, and basically remove you from Medicare and drop you into this system without even telling you. Uh, this is one of 50-some-odd uh, experiments that the Center for Medicare Services started. And this one now has, uh, it's, it's enrolled fewer than a million people, but they are thinking that they can enroll all 30-some-odd million people who are on traditional Medicare within the next year or two and just end Medicare altogether. And, and, it, and it has nothing to do with Congress. This, this you know, was passed as part of the Affordable Care Act, and so it's entirely in the purview of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And I don't recall if the director of that, I know the director of that and the director of Social Security were both Trump holdovers and there was talk about getting rid of them. I don't know if, they have, if that has changed, but it seems like that's the point of pressure is the, is the Center for Medicare Services, just FYI. That's and what I, I believe, know so far. Yeah, and I believe Lloyd Doggett actually has a bill addressing all this. So I, I, I yeah. really think, have Lloyd on, because uh, I it. know that your listeners are interested on this. He absolutely is an expert on this, uh, serving long-term on ways and means. But um, there's a good article on Intercept in the last week on this as well. Yeah, okay. We'll check it out. Paul in Oakland, California, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Good morning, Mark and Tom. Uh, so the uh, mainstream media this morning is reporting widely that DBB will not be passed this calendar year. And also, there will not be any sort of civil rights, I mean, sorry, voting rights legislation guarantees passed. So knowing that, uh, Representative Pocan, what's going to be the strategy come January 2nd or 3rd when you go back to work? And because if we don't get those two things passed, it's going to be an absolute failure for the Democratic Party. Yeah, Paul, so I'm going to separate them because I think they are two separate issues. I mean, one, I've never been someone who said the timing is as important as what's in Build Back Better, and because of the process the Progressive Caucus had by holding uh, up the infrastructure bill, we got about 90% of what's in Build Back Better kind of pre-cleared through all Democratic senators. That includes Joe Manchin. So we're in a much better place to get it done. Um, I can't speak for how the Senate leadership is doing this, but the only the date that we have to be very cognizant of is January 15th, because the child tax cut the child tax credit that was put in place for covid the last check goes out today and this is helping um, 40 million american families uh it lifts 40 to 50 percent of the kids in poverty in this country out of poverty the next check would be january 15th so in many ways january 15th is kind of the important date having said that congress often on tax issues does things retroactively if it happens later i don't want it to happen later i'm just giving you the reality that that happens often and then it would be made up for it would go back retroactively but people need that check on january 15th so to me that's the date we're really looking at as most important christmas was something uh, chuck schumer put out there and had no nothing to do with reality um january 15th has a lot to do with reality on the second issue you know, we still have to figure out how you get around the Senate rules when you get to anything around voting. And again, Joe Manchin has a bill that is acceptable bill that would deal with a lot of this. But if he can't get his Republican colleagues to, to go around the filibuster with him, then we have to talk to him about whether or not he and Kirsten Cinema are willing to look at reform that we many of us think is, is absolutely necessary or else everything is blocked by the Senate. But I do agree with you, Paul, that if we don't get Build Back Better, I, don't, I think it, it's going to hurt us a lot in fall. Uh, and should we get it done, uh, the number of things that are beneficial to people from seniors to families with young kids to the environment, uh, we've got a lot to tout. And I think people will know that we actually got something done, unlike the last 
four years with Donald Trump. Do you know, uh, and I've, I've asked this question before, and, and uh, I don't recall if it was of you or Congressman Conum, and, and the answer that I remember was, not sure, I'll check into it. But do you know if, if the, either the Manchin bill or the John Lewis bill would have any kind of retroactive effect for those states that have hyper-gerrymandered themselves, like Texas, that have already done it? Yeah, or, I, I don't know in their current form if they do, Tom. Now, having said that, don't forget, you could always add that language if you thought it was necessary, if the Senate could do right. it. But, you know, the Senate's biggest problem is just, you know, we're following rules that weren't given to us by our founding fathers. You know, the filibuster came in later when they realized they had no way to stop Senate debate. It's changed a lot over the years to now it's largely a tool for the minority for obstruction. You know, at some point, um, you know, it has to be addressed and, you know, that means Joe Manchin and Pearson Cinema have to be on board. Yeah, I'm with you. Ken in Ortonville, Michigan. Ken, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Just a suggestion, and, and you'd like to hear your view. Um, every week I hear you come on here and say we need to get the message out. we got to be better to get the message out. It's all in Joe Biden's hands. We can learn this from Donald Trump. Every time Donald Trump tweeted, it hit the news media. It hit the news cycle. So it's, um, let's just say, for instance, um, Joe Biden put something out there that says, um, you know, the Democrats just put in Build Back Better to negotiate drug prices and give us hearing, optical, and um, visual all for seniors for Medicare. And then put that every single Republican has voted against this. How come nobody's talking about it? Now puts the Republicans on defense, puts the news media having to cover it because you're calling them out and you're getting the message out. So that, that's, that's my point. I'm looking at the app POTUS Twitter handle, and they're tweeting several times a day. But, Congressman? Yeah, I, I do agree with Ken, though, in the extent that the bully pulpit of the president is a thousand times the bully pulpit of anyone in Congress, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much power to that. That means, I, I agree, it's incumbent on the president to, one, travel around the country to do events that will get national media about what's in Build Back Better and the infrastructure bill and what we already have done earlier this year at the American Rescue Plan. But also, I had a constituent uh, mention, you know, why doesn't he do fireside chats like FDR used to do, right? I mean, Joe Biden is one of the most authentic, warm individuals to have been in the White House, and I think that's a great medium for him. And if he would connect back that way... I think that would be a great suggestion because we do need to have the media follow those sorts of things. I'm a journalism major, Tom, and it's frustrating because I look at some of the modern journalism and it's about getting it done fast, not right. And all the more reason we need um, people who have that big of a bully pulpit to use it very effectively so that they're leading the conversations rather than, than some of the other people. So um, Ken, Ken's point is not uh, at all missed. Uh, I understand what he's saying. Sue in Flat Rock, Michigan, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. I'm trying to renew my Obamacare or ACA this year and is extremely high for my deductible and my out-of-pocket expense. I mean, it's three times what it was last year. And then, I called them, and they said everybody is having the same problem. I thought maybe right. it was me. I haven't heard that yet, but I know today is like the, I believe, the final day for everyone signing up, right, on this right now. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of calls on that, so I'm not sure. What I might recommend are two things. One, you know, if you get a hold of a navigator today, and that's all I think has to happen today, I believe this is the final day, you, you know, try to find out because maybe it's just the type of program you have in your locality. And then 
second. I, that's really that's what I would do. Honestly, I forget the second one. You have one day to do this. Uh, I would call a navigator and get through to them because you want to have a good plan that's going to work for you. Um, but I, we have not gotten the calls, at least in my area, so it might be something that's far more regional. Carolyn in Alton, Illinois, you are on the air with Representative Pocam. You know the states, the Republican-controlled states, uh, are passing laws where if they don't like the way the vote is going, they can dismiss the electoral from that particular district and send in their own electorals and basically manipulate the outcome of an election in their favor. Is there anything in the uh, John Lewis bill and in the uh, Voting Rights Act that addresses that particular issue? And if there isn't, why not? Because that's what's going to kill us. Yeah, Carolyn, so I actually asked this very specific question in my office, and there is a bill moving. I'm not sure, I don't think it's in one of those two. I think it's in another um, document, but I could be wrong. I'm doing this from home today. We weren't supposed to be um, in Washington this week, and we are because of the debt ceiling. So I don't have my normal things in front of me that I can access uh, some bits of information, and I'm going to apologize for that up front. But there is something that does address it that's uh, done legislatively, so it's not that it's being ignored at all, but... I think, you know, back to the thing we've said many times, unless the Senate changes filibuster rules, none of these things will likely go through because the Republicans love to have us playing whack-a-mole and fighting um, challenges to voting because they know if they can pick their voters rather than the other way around, uh, they do better. So, yes, it's addressed. I couldn't tell you the exact document offhand, but we still have the large barrier of the filibuster law. Okay, Congressman, we just have 40 seconds to the break, or a little less than that. Um, how can people most effectively try to influence uh, Congress, the, the Senate, doing something about voting rights and, and the filibuster? You know, calling, uh, taking advantage of if there is a town hall, although with COVID I know there's fewer of those. If there's a public appearance by a senator, it's always great to, to have that out there. People really do follow the numbers of calls they get and emails they get, um, and it's important to, to generate those. Whether you think your senator is awful uh, and won't agree with you or they're great and they're going to agree with you, it's still worth the time of reaching out to them. And the number, the, uh, the switchboard number for the U.S. Capitol, which will get you to any United States senator, is 202-224-3121. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. 
Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Sir Tom Harmon and Lord Mark Bocan, good day to you both. Um, I just want to know in regard to um, the 15% that the G7 nation agreed on uh, to tax a corporation. What's the status of that in Congress? And the second question, can anybody prevent Trump from running again? Yeah, um, I'll do the first one first. That's easier. Uh, yes, it's in Build Back Better. Um, and again, it's something that Joe Biden deserves a lot of credit for. Um, getting the other countries to agree to it. Uh, secondly, Omar, I don't honestly know if there's a way to stop uh, Donald Trump uh, from running. And I heard something interesting this week that uh, piqued my uh, interest. You know, Donald Trump is a narcissist, right, without question. Um, loves all the attention he still gets. He still uh, runs the Republican Party. It's now a cult. It's not a political party. Um, but for him to run again, he has to face losing. And uh, I don't think his ego would allow that. So I think you're getting all the bravado of a, of a you know, elementary school bully uh, without uh, anything else. And I'm not uh, fully convinced that he is intending to run again, but he is desperate for attention like any narcissist would be. And I think that may be the situation. And I'm getting like 10 and 15 emails a day from him and people associated with him begging for money. So he's he's got to be making you know, 100 million bucks a month or something. I mean, it's just yeah. mind-boggling. So he's got a great grift going. I mean, why give it up? Uh, he Mor does. He does. Morris in Long Beach, California. You are on the air with Representative Pokian. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, before I get started, Tom, the book you were reading uh, by David Vine, United States of War, mm -hmm. I read his book, Base Nation. That's a bad man, David Vine. He really is. I would, everybody that can listen, hear my voice, read his book, anything by David Vine. That's a bad man right there. Okay. But this why. Uh, but that means good. Uh, yeah, I get it. This is why I called you. Uh, regarding the January uh, selection committee, check this out. Now, Gina Thomas. Uh, that's Jenny Thomas. Thomas. Jenny Thomas, thank you. She, uh, that's uh, the, uh, one of the justices, Supreme Court justice's wife. Uh, would he recuse himself should any of the select committee's cases get to the Supreme Court? Uh, because obviously he might have a bias there. And I know we don't have to ask who the names were that were part of Congress that, you know, that these guys talked to. Everybody in the Republican Party would are in front of them. They were part of it. But anyway, my question is, do you think that Clarence Thomas will recuse himself uh, if, if this thing should get to the Supreme Court because his wife was the one that got the permit for that rally on January the 6th? And thank you very much. Thank you, Morris. Yeah, Morris, I, should he should that happen? Again, I don't usually like hypotheticals. Your answer would be yes. Will he? Um, the answer is most likely no. Yeah, he has not shown any uh, great uh, love of uh, judicial ethics. Steve in Cooperstown, New yeah. York, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Yes, thank you. Uh, I, I have two questions. Uh, number one, I'd like to know if there's any uh, perception in Congress as to whether Trump is really going to have to pay for his crimes. I really am very disturbed about this whole situation. My other question centers around the situation in Ukraine and uh I'm, I'm thinking that if Russia goes to war with Ukraine, that it's, it's unwinnable. And I'm just wondering what ideas does Congress have in, in terms of trying to prevent that? Thank you very much. And I want to I want to listen on the radio to your answer. And okay. thank you, Tom, for everything you do. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, Steve, thanks. Uh, first of all, um, 
he should pay for his crimes, whether it'll happen via Congress or more likely through some of these states that are doing some lawsuits or public opinion. I mean, as more people find out, just just think about what we found out in the last 48 hours about January 6th, that even Donald Jr., his son, didn't text his dad. He texted Mark Meadows and said that his dad has to do more to call it off, right? I mean, this is... This is going to, I think, wake up some folks the more and more information that comes out like that. So there could be a different type of paying a price. And uh, I think some of these state courts certainly still have a way to actually legally make him pay a price. On the second part, um, I know some members just got back from Ukraine, and um, I've not had a chance to talk to them about any uh, most recent updates. And I know that Joe Biden certainly made this part of uh, what he talked to uh, Vladimir Putin about. So I, I don't have anything that's a unique insight because we have not been briefed as Congress uh, recently on this. But, um, you know, clearly everyone is watching it very closely, uh, involved in conversations very closely. And uh, I, I don't feel like people feel like something is imminent anyway, at least based on us not having a briefing. You know, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution explicitly says that anybody who participated basically in any way in an insurrection. I mean, obviously, this had to do with the Civil War, but um, it can no longer hold public office, uh, you know, any kind of public office, federal office. And uh, A, it seems like increasingly the evidence is there that Trump, you know, led an insurrection and therefore would be could be disqualified. But B, on the other hand, if Democrats are really to push this 14th Amendment thing and knock him out of the possibility of running for 2024, that would be probably a great gift to the Republicans because it would help them consolidate their 2024 field. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I mean, Tom, you're right, right? There is no, who's the leader of the Republican Party right now in Washington? It's Donald Trump still, right? Uh, You know, Mitch McConnell shows, you know, he's got one or two vertebrae. Um, I see nothing that shows a vertebrae out of Kevin McCarthy. And because of that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is still, you know, kind of essentially the leader in exile, uh, of the cult that is currently the Republican Party, and that uh, is is the problem. So um, let's get all this information that January 6th committee is getting. I think it's going to be very interesting as these subpoenas are going out and more people are being held in contempt. I think that will make some other people uh, talk, and, and we'll get more information on this. Um, and ultimately, I think you know that public opinion is going to be what's the strongest rather than if we do something as Congress, or attempt to, again, which would be very difficult given the numbers uh, where we're at, uh, that actually could be beneficial to them in some ways. And I think that has to be a serious part of the conversation. Amen. Radio to give Tyrone a shout Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone, Radio you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Tyrone? Uh, thanks for, yes, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, when, are we, when is the Democratic Party going to stop putting the cart before the horse? I listened to the speech that Raphael Warnock gave, brilliant speech, basically complaining about the fact that we put a hole in the filibuster for to raise the um, debt limit, but when it comes down to voting, uh, we are not willing to do that. You already said Manchin is willing to go along with some of what we're doing, but at the same token, we don't realize that we wouldn't have infrastructure. We wouldn't have have we would still have people in Afghanistan. We would still build back better would be a dream. Had we not had the vote, had we not put the people in place to be able to push our agenda forward. So we continue, like I said, to put the cart before the horse. Unless we get this voting situation down pat, we're going to continue to have these back and forth problems. 
we know what we need to do to move this forward, this country forward. We just got to put the effort in to make this happen. The filibuster, we should not allow that to be an excuse why we don't so, get our voting right. So, Tyrone, yeah. is there a question there, or you, you just want to make yeah. that point? Well, basically, when are we going to start putting the cart before the horse? When, uh, well, why haven't we dealt with this filibuster situation the way we dealt with the debt limit? Why we can't do that with the, with the vote? Right. That's what I want to know. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, and Tyrone, the reason is um, that you have to have cooperation from the Republicans. I mean, Mitch McConnell you know, showed one of those few vertebrae that he has when he actually agreed to do um, the vote that allowed us to get the debt ceiling done uh, outside of the filibuster. But they will never agree to do that on voting rights because the system that they're working is a scam right now, state by state with laws to make it harder to vote. Therefore, we have to figure out how to get around the filibuster with the Democratic votes we have, and we still have a problem with at least one and maybe two uh, senators on the Democratic side. But you're right. I mean, there's no reason why uh, it, it is so important that we deal with voting rights. And if we don't, um, you, know, you could put the same type of people like Donald Trump right back in again, and that could have a devastating impact on the country. Um, which is why many of us would like to, you know, are arguing strongly for filibuster reform or even looking at, you know, changing the makeup of the Supreme Court because uh, we need to have something that works for the American people. But, you know, that unique situation, you have to have Republican buy-in, and we would never get that on voting rights. That's why there's a difference. Richard in Palm Springs, California. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Thank you, Mr. Pocan, for giving us your time. Um, Tom brings up quite often that the Congress can pass bills or laws and put something in them that uh, the Supreme Court can't take it up, as well as that Congress has the ability to tell the Supreme Court that they can't, they can't, um, they can't review a law. So how come? neither of those components seem to happen. Like, how come we don't pass laws that say the Supreme Court can't take this up at a later date or tell the Supreme Court, no, you can't see the abortion thing, um, period. You, you take it off your docket. Am I making sense? Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar, though, with the conversation that you've had that, that was the predecessor to that, so I'm not sure if I'm able to answer it, Richard, like I'd like to. Article 3, Section 2 of the Constitution says that Congress can create exceptions to what the Supreme Court may rule on. And back, mm -hmm. in the, back in the 80s, during the Reagan era, there was a young lawyer in the Reagan White House who was given the job of trying to figure out how Congress could pass a law to overturn Brown v. Board and Roe v. Wade. And that lawyer spent a year and a half in the White House uh, going all the way back to the founding documents and produced this mind-boggling 29-page document laying out exactly how Congress could do this. The Republican Party ran with it. There were something like 60 pieces of legislation that decade that included a paragraph that said the Supreme Court may not rule on this. It's called court stripping. And, um, and it's kind of gone away since then. None of them ever passed. There have been four or five pieces of legislation that have passed over the years that had court stripping provisions in them. None of them have ever been litigated because they were non-controversial. Uh, the last one that a Democrat did was uh, Tom, oh, what's his name, who was the Senate Majority Leader. At the, it was a farm bill. 
Um, but uh, that young lawyer, by the way, who worked for Reagan, who came up with that document, uh, his name is John Roberts. He's now the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme uh, Court. So that's what that was about, just FYI. There's a, okay. yeah, there's a whole chapter about it, including long quotes from John Roberts in my book on the Supreme Court, if, you, if you're ever curious. But I, you know, it, it does not seem like anything that, you know, it would, it would provoke a constitutional crisis. You know, it would provoke a confrontation between the Supreme Court and, the, and, the, and Congress. So I doubt anybody's really excited about that right now. Gotcha. No, thanks for the content. Yeah, you're welcome. Article 3, Section 2. It's worth reading. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Armando in Seattle, you are on the air with Representative Pocan. Ted Cruz recently offered to swap Nord Stream 2 sanctions vote for ambassador nominees. I was wondering if uh, President Joe Biden could switch that around and offer sanctions for Nord Stream pipeline in exchange for passing some of his legislation like his uh, Build Back Better bill. Thanks, Armando. Let me add to that, Congressman, if I may. Is this just an effort by, by uh, Ted Cruz to troll the White House? you know, forbidding them from having ambassadors and using the Nord Stream pipeline as an excuse? Or is this a real issue for Ted Cruz? Ted Cruz, you never know, right? Yeah. Ted Cruz is uh, one of the more disingenuous colleagues that I have. I, I always liken him to, like, bad community theater. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he doesn't come across very genuine, sincere, um, so you never really know. Uh, I, I don't think that they would cut any deal, Armando, for Build Back Better, because... Build Back Better is one of the most powerful bills around democratic values uh, that I have seen come through Congress in a long, long time. Um, you know, things that actually are going to expand health care options, let us negotiate for drug prices through Medicare, uh, allow us to have universal pre-K and, and child care support. Um, you know, all the items in there are pretty much an anathema to the uh, corporate special interest agenda that uh, the Republican Party, especially someone like Ted Cruz, is going to follow. So I, I don't see them doing much of anything to help um, Build Back Better move forward. Um, you know, I just don't see that ever happening. Thomas in Columbus, Ohio, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. Good morning. Hi, Congressman. Welcome, welcome to the class today. Um, you said that thankfully that uh, Manson had to get with his colleagues, the Republicans. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, what what are you guys doing about the Medicare situation? I heard that you said somebody wrote a bill. Um, is that enough and why so long? Well, it's enough if it passes. It's not if it not. I guess that's 
pretty obvious, though. Um, and I think, you know, this is an issue because of special interest. I think you're going to have to really get uh, much more outcry uh, in order to try to, to see that legislation move, especially given, you know, right now Republicans are blocking even votes that get to 420 plus members of Congress. They're making us uh, drag them out because of the the Freedom Caucus uh, trying to, you know, they're upset that we've knocked some people off committees and things, some of the more extreme members. So because of it, they're trying to gum up everything we do. Unfortunately, that means more of these must-pass bills, you know, are, are bigger and, and and badder, and that's not always good because it doesn't have the general review you'd have. And uh, any special interest can reach out to certain members of Congress and try to block them and kill them. And uh, Robert in North Fork, California, you're on the air with Representative Pocan. The Democratic Party will force its members on the left to toe that party line by threatening them with primaries from the right. But when it comes to members that are already on the right, like Cinema and Manchin, they just kind of let them run the party and don't threaten them with withholding primary funds or funding their primary challengers when they come up for re-election. Like, is there it's not, some kind of reason? Robert, that, line just that, for a second. Yeah. Robert, can you tell me? I, I don't know of what you're talking about at all. That sounds like uh, something someone's saying, but it's not grounded in reality because I don't know a single member who's been threatened like that. Do you have a specific example? I, I've already dropped Robert. I'm sorry. I don't. Oh, I don't think sorry. he would, though. But you know, I know that there are. Okay. Yeah. There, are, there are literally people lining up right now in West Virginia and Arizona to challenge Mansion and Cinema in primaries. <laughs> so, you know, which kind of blows yeah, up I that just, logic. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, Robert, I, I, if you had a specific example, uh, you know, call back and, and give it to us. It sounds like a talking point. You know, there's some people who just want to always say the Democratic Party is bad and therefore they're doing this to progressives but not to conservatives. I can tell you that's not true. Um, I don't know a single progressive who's been threatened by the party to have a, a right challenger. Um, and just the opposite is happening on some of these right challengers. So people are just getting up on their own and running against from the left. So um, I, if you have a specific example, I'd love to hear it. Diane in Fort Smith, Arkansas. You're on the air with Representative Pocan. Oh, thank you to both of you. You're um, providing sanity in an insane world. Um, I just got off the phone with the IRS. I've been waiting on my taxes. I get a refund this year. I'm a senior, 74. Uh, they re I don't even know if they received it. They can't tell me. But it's been almost seven months, and the gentleman that I spoke to yesterday today said, you're going to have to wait another 16 weeks. And I said, I know you all are working hard. What can I do? And he said, call your congressman. We need, we need more help. So I'm calling to get them some help. Well, and Diane, I'm going to give you another piece of advice. Call your congressperson okay. or senator to help you on this exact issue with the IRS, because that's what our offices can do. We can, we kind of have the, if you ever the old Batman show, the bat phone, we can get to the right people at the IRS so that if you're having something that's not uh, going well, your interaction, and it's, it's going too slow, we can help speed it up. And you should absolutely use your member of Congress to help you. This is our casework. We all have many caseworkers in our office. So um, I agree with you. Uh, we do have additional money and build back better for more IRS agents and uh, Republicans don't like that and like to spin what it's really going to be used for. Uh, but uh, to your specific issue and anyone in your situation, call your member of Congress. It is our pleasure to be able to help you and, um, and please do that. William in Champaign, Illinois. And uh, William, we just have a minute left. If you could ask a real quick question for Congressman Pocan. Uh, 
just, yeah, super quick. Thanks for taking my call. Um, very frustrated with the process right now. Really want Build Back Better to pass, but I feel like the longer we sit here and wait, the worse Democrats look, and it makes more of the Republicans look very unified. My suggestion and my question is, why are we not taking back the control of the conversation by passing, let's say, a single-issue clean bill and making Republicans vote it up or vote it down and try and pull from their base and break them apart? And then when that doesn't work, we do two items, and we keep nailing them to the wall, basically, with their inability to vote on even the most simple items, like perhaps lowering the cost of prescription drugs or lowering the Okay, cost we're running out of time here, William. Got it. Thank you. Thanks for... Yeah, William, I think there's even an easier way. You don't have to, because like I said, they're slowing down votes and everything else. You know, recently uh, a local newspaper in Wisconsin re reported uh, about some of the money that's coming to the state to help uh, fix bad piping for water delivery. I just tweeted out that no Republican in Wisconsin voted for it, and all the Democrats did. And it, it got a lot of attention because people don't know how their average member of Congress votes. And if the Republicans voted against clean water, we just need to get that message out. We don't need another vote. We need to get the message out. They've already voted against it or they're blocking bills. But you're right. That would be helpful. There you go. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for dropping by. I, I hope when I mentioned reading the Constitution, it didn't come across condescending. I didn't mean it that way. You, you gave me a, a, good, a good example, too, of the bills that didn't actually pass, but some did and they weren't controversial. That told me a lot more about the issue. Great. Thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Benny Thompson says that uh, there are uh, about 10 members of Congress who were tweeting or were direct messaging or communicating with Mark Meadows during the insurrection. We don't know who they are yet, but unsubstantiated reports on social media are claiming they may include Representative Marjorie Trader Greene, Gymnasium Jordan, Paul Gosar, Lauren uh, Boebert, Mo Brooks, Matt Gates, Louis Gomert, Jody Heiss, Andy Biggs, Madison, Madison Cawthorn, and Scott Perry. You know, I would refer to them as the treason caucus. Meanwhile, speaking of Fox News and the impact of Fox News and how Fox News provides a haven for right-wing crazies across the United States, this is great. One of the folks over on uh, DU, uh, the headline, Compulsive Liar Rand Paul, uh, ran to Fox News to complain about, you know, this coverage. He, he just, he, he wrote a fawning, begging letter to Joe Biden, President Biden, saying, please authorize disaster relief for my state, Kentucky, because we just got hit really bad and lots of people died. This is the same, the same Rand Paul who blocked accelerated passage of the Gulf Coast Hurricane Aid Act, that was after uh, uh, Hurricane Maria, as I recall, who, who voted against the 2013 Bill to Aid Victims of Hurricane Sandy, uh, you know, who has, you know, for, for his whole entire career basically said any kind of, you know, federal aid is socialism. I'm a libertarian, don't you know? We don't have the federal government help people. Gov federal government should only pay for the military and the police. And now he's going on Fox News saying, well, I never voted against those things, which is just an outright lie. But of course, on Fox News, when a Republican lies, 
uh, nobody says a word about it. So surprise, surprise. Okay, picking up your phone calls here. Les in uh, Winnemucca, Nevada. Hey, Les, what's on your mind? QAnon and all this hate that's being stirred up, this racial hatred, this has got Putin's marks all over it. He's been uh, on Facebook for years. He's got a troll farm going there in St. Petersburg and a bunch of college students, and he pays them, I guess, very well, and they that's what they do. They troll. They set up fake accounts in the United States, and, and then they present themselves as a black doctor who voted for Trump. Right. No, or, I, I, I get know, all that, Les, but, you know, two, two points. Number one, uh, from their point of view, they're saying, well, you know, the United States, by highlighting Alexei Navalny, uh, is trolling us, and so it's just turnaround is good is is you know is fair play. Uh, well, I, I, I disagree with that, but that's that's their position. But number two, Putin didn't invent you know racial hatred in the United States. I think I think we need to own. I, I'm with you. I, I'm not a fan of foreign trolls, and obviously you know Russia was played a large role in 2016. Whether it was Putin or whether it was oligarchs aligned with him, uh, you know, I, I think it's still an open question. Both of those issues are addressed in the Mueller report, uh, you know, and, and I think that had Russia not intervened in 2016, it's unlikely that Donald Trump would, would have gotten the White House. I'll give you that. But the, the, my, my larger point is that when we try to pin the blame for all of our problems on Putin or on Saudi Arabia or on China or any other foreign entity, and, 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 you know, and I've written about this. I mean, I, I wrote a piece uh, two weeks ago and did a whole rant about, you know, time to end the foreign trolls. But, you know, we also have to acknowledge that we've got a lot of homegrown haters in this country. Well, no doubt. But what I'm trying to say is that he has found a sweet spot for him. Exactly. Just He's exploiting what, what, what is already going on here, sure. just as the Republican yeah. Party did. I mean, Richard Nixon did something very similar to this with his Southern strategy. Yeah. Hey, there's a bunch of people Southern who hate black, strategy. there's a bunch of white people down South who hate black people. How do we get them inside the Republican Party? Oh, we'll talk about the silent majority and we'll talk about, you know, and we'll do the whole Southern right. strategy thing. Yeah, no, I get it. Les, thank you for the call. Mike in Chicago. Hey, Mike, what's up? I uh, wanted to quickly address uh, a caller who last week asked if the civil rights movement is progressing, regressing, or just going round in circles. And I wanted to provide what I think is a, a good analogy, which you may appreciate having been a citizen of the North. Um, if you ever got your car stuck in the snow, you know, one way to get it out is to rock it. Uh, mm -hmm. Rock the car back and forth, go forward, go backward, go forward, it's and back the until you eventually out, yeah. free the rest. Yeah. However, if you get enough people behind you to push, your car's going to fly forward. Yeah. And if we want movement on civil rights, then we all have to get behind it and push. Uh, you, have, you can't just rely on your car or politician to get things moving. Yeah. It, it, it can happen with them, but it'll take some time. But if you get enough people behind your car then your movement's going to happen much quicker. Yep. Here's the, the, the phone number is 202-224-3121. It gets to the, the switchboard for the United States Senate. And then you want to ask for either one of your two senators. And the question to ask them, or the question that I would ask them, is yesterday you guys voted to suspend the filibuster in order to raise the debt ceiling. Why will you not today vote to suspend the filibuster 
to pass voting rights and rescue our democracy? And right. I, I would love to hear the answer to that question from, in particular, Cinema and Mansion. And, and I realize that there's a few other Democratic senators who are reluctant to do away with the filibuster altogether, but I doubt that they're reluctant to do away with the filibuster with regard to voting rights. I think that I think I think there's a very real possibility. I think you know between uh, Reverend Warnock's uh, Senator Warnock's speech yesterday on the floor of the Senate, um, I'm I'm doubting that there were a lot of Republicans there to hear it, but who knows? But it, that speech was brilliant. It got highlighted last night on MSNBC and other networks, and I think that was a great thing. And and you know we're pushing this. Joe is pushing this. It's all over the country. People are waking up. You know, as as an earlier caller said or maybe it was Joe, said that, you know, the filibuster has been has been suspended over 160 times. Just Yeah, it was Joe said that, just since 1969. And, uh, you know, today, suspending the filibuster so we can get Voting Rights Act wouldn't be a big painful thing. Mike, thank you for the call. Howard in New York City. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind today? Trying to think out of the box how literally I, starting tomorrow, could help Joe Madison convince Joe Manchin to get rid of that loophole and get the voting rights bill passed. So my thought is this. I have uh, literally 30 years' experience in advertising in four different countries. My target market was 100 million people. And I found that the most important motivator by far is the love of a grandchild, a great-grandchild, which he has. The second is fear, and the third is money, which he doesn't give a damn about. So I've actually written a 30-second script which describes the fact that Joe Manchin would not, it's, it's aimed at teenagers and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. So it's a 30, I won't read the script to you, but it's a 30-second script which points out that Manchin couldn't care less if a dictator like Adolf Hitler becomes president, if he destroys the democracy. And I'm hoping with words like that, he will embarrass his great-grandchildren and his grandchildren, and they'll say, Grandpa, what the hell are you doing? You're destroying the country. I can make that video in one, well, two or three days. If you could get it to Joe Madison, he could show it to Joe Manchin. Well, put, it, put, it, put it on Twitter and tag me, and, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll share it if it's any good. I mean, it's... it's uh, that, oh, absolutely, only yeah. if it's very good. Okay, but you'll be able to get it and read it? Oh, sure. If you I, I do my own Twitter feed, you know, I, I realize that there are people who have people who do things for them. And yep. and uh, and some of our stuff is a little more collaborative effort. You know, our YouTube feed and, and things like that, you know, uh, uh, Nate participates in. I participate in Nigel participates yep. in. But I just so do Twitter cool. all by myself. So if you yeah. want to get a message to me, tweet it to me. It's the easiest. You got way it. I've me. been doing this for 30 years. So. The people at Thanksgiving dinner I showed it to you said, wow, that might actually work. Yeah. So I will Twitter it to you. Okay, tweet it. Yes. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks very much. Okay. Thanks a lot, Howard. Bye-bye. Good to hear from yeah. you. Let me just remind you of how serious... Mark Meadows and Steve Bannon and Donald Trump were about overthrowing the government of the United States. On January 5th, Steve Bannon went on the air on his show and said, and, 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 and by the way, Chuck Grassley was expecting to be the guy to count the votes. What's that all about? 
Uh, but anyhow, he said Mitch McConnell's got to start taking care and focusing on these senators because this is going to be very controversial. We are going into uncharted waters. We're going into something that's never happened before in American history. Tomorrow, we're pulling the trigger on something that's going to be, it's going to be minute by minute, hour by hour, what happens. The stakes couldn't be higher. It's not going to happen like you think it's going to happen. Okay, it's going to be quite extraordinarily different. All I can say is strap in. You made this happen, and tomorrow is game day, so strap in. Let's get ready. It's all converging, and we're now on the point of attack tomorrow. That was January 5th. So we've got this effort to overthrow the government of the United States. It failed, mostly. But now, in the individual states, you've got these same Trumpy politicians saying, democracy? We don't need no stinking democracy. Judd Legum is with us. He's the, uh, a journalist and the founder of Popular.info, uh, ex an extraordinary free newsletter. You can sign up for it at Popular.info. His Twitter handle, Judd at Judd Legum, L-E-G-U-M. And uh, Judd, I, I was caught by your, your post titled, Michigan's, Trump's Michigan allies are plotting to bypass the governor and impose new voting restrictions. Tell us about this. Well, it's, it's an interesting story because, you know, as you just detailed, after the January 6th, essentially failure of a coup on January 6th, uh, a lot of Trump's political allies turned towards imposing different voting restrictions in states. And they were successful in some of these states like Georgia and, and Texas and Florida. Generally, they were successful in states that had both a Republican legislature and the Republican governor. Uh, Michigan was a little bit different. He has a lot of allies there. And in, in fact, in many ways, it was the center of a lot of his false claims about election fraud. But once they passed these bills, there's a Democratic governor, and she vetoed um, the bills, the uh, effectively voter suppression bills that were passed. Right. So now um, there's an effort to essentially do an end around the governor. They've got many of the same voting restrictions that they tried to pass um, you know, through the traditional process, but they've started a ballot initiative uh, collecting signatures to put this on the ballot. Um, now, that, that's not that unusual. You know, that a lot of states have ballot issues, but Michigan has a special feature where you can collect the required signatures several hundred thousand signatures. Then, before the election, if the legislature passes that same legislation, it just automatically becomes law, and the governor cannot veto it. So that's what's underway now is sort of this, um, this very unusual process uh, that will cut out both the governor and the voters uh, from determining whether or not these restrictions uh, will will go into effect. Is this, uh, Judd, is this a consequence of the way that the Michigan Constitution is written, or does this go back? I know the, the law that allows uh, citizen initiatives has been altered twice that I recall in the last 10 years, um, you know, around uh, the, the uh, what do they call them, emergency managers stuff, as I recall? I mean, there was a couple of, you know, big yeah, controversies. This has, been in place, this has been in place in Michigan for some time, although it's only very rarely been used, this, mm -hmm. uh, this process to, and, you know, 
essentially cut the governor out right. and the voters out of the process. And, and I, I think we should point out Donald Trump lost Michigan by 150,000 votes. Every uh, every candidate who ran for statewide office in Michigan and, uh, you know, and won was a Democrat. Um, which means that the, Demo the Michigan House and the Michigan Senate would be democratically re controlled if the state was not heavily gerrymandered by Republicans. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't recall if Rick Snyder was governor 10 years ago or not, but, you know, whenever that last happened. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think that's, that's something that's going on in, in a lot of different states where the, a lot of the statewide candidates end up being Democrats, but uh, because of the legislative maps, um, yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania is another example. North Carolina. That. Yeah, and that's actually going to be very critical as we head into 2022, because in those states, it was really the Democratic governor that prevented these efforts to overturn the election results from really gaining steam, because the governor could just say, well, I'm going to certify the vote and I'm going to veto any legislative efforts to, you know, change the rules about how to um, appoint uh, electors to the Electoral College. Now, in, in a lot of these states, um, there are Trump allied candidates running for governor or secretary um, of state who, or sec and, yeah, state. And, or secretary of state who who. Uh, have a much different uh, perspective on these things, obviously. Yeah. And uh, and it could play out a lot differently, um, you know, should they uh, be successful this year. The other part of, we're talking with Judd Legum, um, popular.info. Uh, the, other, the other part of your uh, newsletter uh, that I found fascinating was how giant corporations, and I'm talking, you know, specifically here, uh, Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors, uh, Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford, uh, two of the largest employers in the state of Michigan have, you know, openly come out and publicly condemned the efforts to overthrow democracy in America. And yet those companies are pouring money down the throats of these same legislators who are trying to blow up democracy. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's where there's the real, you know, disconnect here is that, uh, you know, and these are iconic you know, Michigan companies. They have, they have an enormous amount of sway. Uh, in the state because they're major employers and they're they're very much associated with the state uh, and they have you know publicly come out not only just against these efforts to overturn the election but also against specifically efforts to restrict voting in Michigan uh, but they're they're really not willing at this point to follow through because they're continuing to fund you know a large group of Republicans in Michigan who, are really in lockstep uh, behind Trump and continue to participate in these efforts to to restrict voting, um, you know, based on Trump's urging. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it's great that they're coming out and, and making statements, but until they're willing to, you know, back up what they're saying with the way they make their donations, it's hard to take it too seriously. Yeah, these are uh, these are folks who are, you know, actively and aggressively working to destroy our democracy, and and yet you've got these giant corporate contributions. I mean, over what one point three million dollars coming out of uh, 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 which was uh, uh, I'm trying to find 
of the 11 legislators who signed the letter to Congress asking for an investigation into election fraud. Ten of, ten of them have sponsored new voter suppression bills. These 10 legislatures, legislators have received $1.3 million in corporate donations. Is there, uh, you know, I realize you know, popular info is not the New York Times, and you're, and you're you know, leading a great crusade here, and, and you've been talking about this for a long time, about, you know, basically corporate support for neo-fascism in America. Are you seeing a broader uh, realization that this is going on in the corporate media? And are you seeing any kind of a realization that this might be a problem in corporate boardrooms? Or do they think they can just slide by? I think it varies. You know, we, we've been tracking this on the national level, too, as we're looking at the companies who are donating to the folks who in Congress who voted uh, to overturn uh, the election. And I, I think the results are are mixed, I would say, at this point, that you do have um, a, a, a not insignificant number of major companies, I think our latest count is you know, somewhere between 85 and 90, who did make statements shortly after January 6th and largely have or, or absolutely have maintained those pledges. Uh, there's another group of, of um, several dozen companies uh, who made pledges and then very quickly got back to business as usual. So I think the, the jury's still out. There certainly hasn't been wholesale changes. Some companies seem to be taking it a lot more seriously than others. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep up the great work. Judd Legum over at Popular.info. Judd, thanks a lot for dropping by today. Thanks for having me, Tom. My pleasure. Good talking with you. been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.